0: Welcome to the You Can Make It So podcast, episode number 104. Last week on our podcast, I shared a five-letter word that's a dream killer. A dream killer to hopes, to habits, and to goals. I hope that you had the opportunity to listen to that episode. And if you missed it, it truly is one of those don't miss type of episodes. Go back and listen to episode number 103. You can find it on our website, phoenixlifecoachingcanada.com, or on Spotify. Today, we welcome our first guest of 2024, Eric Kaufman, and I'm confident that you will enjoy what he has to say as we continue to build on our theme this month of becoming a high-performance leader. You ready? Let's get after it. Let's make it so. Well, I'm very pleased to be welcoming Eric Kaufman. Eric is uh, passionate about executive development, Uh, his books, The Four Virtues of a Leader, Navigating the Hero's Journey Through Risk to Results, and Leadership Breakdown, How Conscious Leaders Generate Breakthroughs That Enrich Business and the World, Teach the Essential Virtues Shared by Successful, Passionate, and Creative Leaders, and How They Navigate Through Uncertainty and Anxiety. As an executive coach, consultant, speaker, and author, he partners with leaders to go below the surface and beyond the obvious so that they can think more clearly, make better decisions, and relate wholeheartedly. Eric's work is shaped by 17 years of leadership coaching and consulting, management roles at Fortune 100 firms, degrees in business and psychology, and engaged living in such places as Israel and South Africa. Eric is president of Sagata, an executive leadership consulting practice, and with his team, partner with leaders and teams to do amazing things. Eric is a fellow and thought leader at the Institute of Coaching. He's a speaker for TEDx, and while writing additional books, he contributes to publications like Mindful.org, Training Magazine, and Conscious Media Magazine. And so I'm very excited to welcome Eric Kaufman to the You Can Make It So podcast.
1: Thank you. Delighted to be here with you. I appreciate
0: it. Uh, So, Eric, before we start talking about your books and your work, uh, let's get into knowing a bit more about you. And though we touched on it in the introduction a bit, can you tell us about your pathway to where you are now as an executive coach, consultant, speaker and author? How did you begin this journey? Would you tell us a bit more?
1: I guess there's two paths that have brought me to, to this, uh, and I've been doing this coaching work for, and consulting work for just over 20 years now. So a good chunk of my life. Um, I describe my work sometimes as, as, um, an unrelenting commitment to results with an unyielding regard for spirit. And so that's sort of my, uh, my own mission statement as it were right and and so an unrelenting commitment to results meaning you know we got to get things done we me as an individual my clients the work that we do but with an unyielding regard for spirit meaning that there's a there's a there's a particular vibe there's a particular sensibility there's a philosophy that undergirds how i go about supporting those results with people and so it represents the two threads of my life right so um uh and it's interesting when you ask that question because i you know how when you're at certain points in life you can look back on your life and suddenly the pieces that were that they make sense in retrospect where they didn't make sense at the moment like it didn't make sense to me when i was 19 that i got kicked out of college like you know how how is that possibly a good thing as a 19 year old but i see now the value that it had Um, and and it really has a lot to do with how i am you know the journey that got me here i I was kicked out of college because I was screwing up. I didn't have good grades. I was doing drugs. I was partying. I was just I was a little screw up. Right? And I deserved to be kicked out. But when they kicked me out, it sort of was a like a bucket of ice water in my you know slumbering consciousness. It was like, wake up, man. Um, and um, the short version of it is I, I looked around and I started saying, well, what does it take for me, 19-year-old version of Eric, what does it take for me to get my life in order? you know uh I can only blame my parents my my environment you know so far and I have to take responsibility and so it put me into this journey of trying to understand what it means to be a responsible human uh and uh that put me you know in a search and I ended up engaging in in a in a in a Zen spiritual tradition uh as a very young person um and i got very involved in it in fact I, I i worked with a zen teacher very closely from then age 19 to in, into my mid-30s and then with another teacher from my 30s up so, you know the rest of my life so it's been you know 40 some like you know 40 wow almost 40 years of uh of this deep intense work to be a responsible human being right from a zen perspective and then also I went to work in corporate. I worked at, you know, I, I graduated. I got back in college, fortunately, graduated college, went to work at 3M, went to work at Corning in management and leadership. Um, and then I got to a point in my life where I thought, what I'm really enjoying at work and what I'm really enjoying in my own spiritual practice was this cultivation of, uh of humanity this ability to be an awakened being this ability to be present to be awake to connect to have meaningful experience and and um i found myself as a manager as a leader at work enjoying the development of people even more so that i was enjoying getting out kpis and that was very telling and so in my uh sort of early 30s i decided i'm going to uh break away and dedicate myself entirely to a to a work that would combine these two things how can i live this this kind of spiritual life that, that cultivates goodness and do meaningful work with people and so it brought me through coaching um and that's been so like i said this is a little, little over 20 years the first few years were rough but now it's a lot of
0: fun excellent that well, sounds like quite the journey and i completely uh uh, resonate with you about uh, how sometimes we we look back in the midst of walking forward and uh, we see how all the pieces were kind of shaping the direction that uh, that we're going in absolutely you know in um, in your latest book uh, leadership breakdown you take us on a journey as well and uh, and in it you uh, say that for leadership teams to realize their full potential they have to uncover three aspects of conscious leadership Wisdom, how to make great decisions. Love, how to unlock deep engagement. Power, how to get fully switched on at work. So my first question is a really packed one. First, what exactly is conscious leadership? And second, why is wisdom, love, and power so essential? Because these are not words that we often associate with executive or even team leadership.
1: So I'm going to answer what is conscious leadership. I'm going to take a ste- two steps back, you know, and just kind of zoom out for a second. So there's a distinction for me between sort of some terms. One is leadership and the other is leader. I've come to define leadership over the years of doing this work. So, you know, uh, I talk about leadership as organizing and influencing people to achieve results. It's super stripped down and it's, uh, it's one of those definitions that, That is meant to be as a definition kind of agnostic of the of the um application just purely defining the experience right so what is leadership leadership is organizing and influencing people to achieve results ideally i'd like those results to be meaningful to be helpful to be wholesome etc but it doesn't matter i mean i can take examples like in the worst case scenario you have hitler as a leader I disagree with everything he's done and everything he is, everything he stands for, but he organized and he influenced people and then he achieved results. Leadership check. On the other hand, we have Gandhi, right, who brought all this wisdom to the world and liberated blah, blah, blah. Regardless of what he accomplished, he organized and influenced people to achieve results, right? So that's leadership writ large now a leader is a person who does that right a leader is a person who then organizes and influences people but who you are and how you are as a leader now do you are you can end up as a Hitler or you can end up as a Gandhi and I I, I apologize for making these sort of ridiculous sort of uh, spectrum ends but they're they're you know it matters and the conscious leader then is the person who is who is affecting that ability to organize and influence people to achieve results in a particular way in a particular way right and that way is important and why is that way important it's not just important because it's important from a spiritual perspective or whatever it's important at this moment in our journey as humans on the planet because and this to me is sort of a a central theme is the mantle of stewardship the mental responsibility for people and for the uh, and and for our experience on the planet has fallen off the shoulders of kings and queens and governors and prime ministers and presidents and it's gone off the shoulders of priests and imams and rabbis and it has landed squarely on the shoulders of business executives look at who's shaping the world business executives And if we don't have these leaders who are organizing and influencing people to achieve results switched on in a particular way that they are embracing and taking on that mantle of responsibility, then we are in bigger trouble. You know, we'll we'll have bigger trouble than we're already having. And so a conscious leader is somebody who wears that sense of responsibility, understands that they organize and influence people to achieve results, and is very specific about the type of results that they're achieving. That those results are essentially wholesome, that they are in the realm of stewardship, not just in the realm of acquisition or, or winning. And that the conscious leader is a leader who does all that and is aware and plugged into the bigger gestalt of existence than their own limited ego sense of self. So that's what a conscious leader is. A conscious leader is a leader who fundamentally recognizes that they are a cog in a bigger part and they're not caught up in their own egoic needs but they can be in, in harmony with life.
0: Yes, yeah. And in unison with their purpose as they seek to, to organize and influence people.
1: And I'm going to say their purpose from a conscious leader perspective is one that is a stewardship purpose. Uh,
0: let's keep talking about that a little bit because leaders are not just influencing, for example, the company that they lead or or the, the product base that they're in charge uh, or even the people group. that that they're in charge of. They're they're influencing so much more today in our culture and in our world. You you talk about the the breakdown, the four elements of leadership breakdown that can occur. And um, you state them as as understanding what the, the biggest hurdle to leadership power is, learning the three aspects of enlightened leadership, minimizing breakdowns and maximizing collaboration and creating a leadership style that generates deep engagement now without giving away you know any secret uh, sauce recipes if there there are any to this but how does one go about creating a leadership style for themselves that actually generates deep engagement
1: um yeah thank you for that question and as far as giving away I mean I I write these in books you know, I'm not giving it away, but for 17 bucks, you can have it, you know, uh, (laughs) and I think if you have an audible account, you can get it for credit, right? It's like zero. So, um, (laughs) I am pretty much giving away then, but the, um, (laughs) um, I'm going to come back to wisdom, love, and power, and I'll explain how it is that they generate that engagement. So wisdom, you know, fundamentally is, uh, it's not about how much, you know, that's knowledge right wisdom is uh not even how much you can uh, interpret that's understanding wisdom is the capacity to do two things right to dive deep and to look far so to dive deep we call that insight right the ability to deconstruct something and, and understand it deeply and to look far means we have perspective so so a leader who can do these two things right has the capacity the mental capacity the the, the, the to to have insight about themselves, about the people they're working with, about their team, about their market, about their about their strategy, right? That's that's meaningful and 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 uh, competitively necessary. And that perspective, right? What's happening? What's the bigger picture? So wisdom, love is not just a romantic thing. I love my wife, I and mean, we have an anniversary coming up. How wonderful! My daughter's coming home for Christmas. Yay! I love my daughter. My other daughter is staying in Europe for now. but I still love my daughter, even though she's far away, right? But that's, that's the love that I'm talking about in the workplace fundamentally comes down to the willingness to cultivate the best in others. The giving of attention. That's what the love is at the net net. I'm going to give attention. And then power, I'm not talking about like some kind of maniacal grasp for control or everything. I'm talking about innate power innate power is this capacity that is inborn that i have because i am a human being and that power is my right and ability to really bring forth the uniqueness and creativity that is who i am to be authentic to be present uh so now take that as a leader a leader who's paying attention because they're looking deep you just talk about engagement right so we're just going to look at engagement as a leader, using my wisdom, I'm understanding the people that I'm working with. If I can understand them, I know what their goals are, what their fears are, what their what their skills are, what their strengths are, and I can deploy them in the best possible way for my needs. I'm still the manager. I'm the leader. I have needs, right? I need them to accomplish things. And for their for their desires and ability, that's the wisdom. The love part means that I am actually not just stuck in my own needs, but I'm giving them my attention i'm nurturing them i'm giving them opportunity and then the power component allows me to really express myself and bring forward my creativity so if i'm the kind of leader who's showing up knowing what your needs are helping you grow into the person you want and being somebody who's creative and bringing forth my own ideas i'm incredibly engaging already right and then i turn around and help others become that now I'm cultivating that in others as well, which makes them even more engaged because people love to be switched on by the people who matter.
0: Let, let's move. Uh, I'm sure we're going to circle back to some of these themes, but but let's uh, move to uh, another book that you've written, the, uh, the Four Virtues of a Leader. And it was reading this book that actually uh, I kind of got to know your work and began to kind of uh, get to know uh, a little bit uh, about you. Uh, the book, uh, The Four Virtues of a Leader, Navigating the Hero's Journey Through Risk to Result. In this book, you you remind us that true leaders inspire us with confidence, dedication, and a track record of achievement. Some might even call this uh, having an executive presence uh, to themselves. Um, and you uh, identify four cornerstones of good leadership. And, and just to list them very quickly, uh a focus that combines self-awareness with vision, courage to move forward uh, toward what you'd rather avoid, grit for persevering through fatigue and discouragement towards your long-term goals, and faith to overcome doubt and stay fully committed to your work. Can you just unpack one of these for us and Tell us uh, why it is a fundamental cornerstone. The four virtues of a leader. Uh, and if you want me to pick one, it's like,
1: you know, who is your favorite child? That's a terrible question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I, I also recognize I'm not going to wax about all four of them here. But, you know, just to, if we start at the top to, you know, ski day to know what I call focus um, right. is uh it's really this deep understanding of self, right? Focus is self. The, the focus basically says that um, a thought is a thing. You are what you think. You become what you think about most. A thought is a thing. You are what you think. You become what you think about most. And focus isn't just like the annual goals, the strategy, you know, focus in this regard means, what are you thinking? Because you become that. Are you self-aware? Do you know what you believe? What are your values? Uh, that's the invitation for the alchemist to be self-aware so that they cannot be, so that they're not bound by their imprints, but that they're free. And so the invitation here in the four virtues of a leader and this this focus is, a deep investigation of who am i as a beginning place
0: i think that's that's a an excellent springboard to to my next question because in the book you you write um the hero's journey challenges you to leave your comfort zone and become a different person and a better leader one of the things i i think that prevents that from happening in so many people's lives is not only discomfort with that thought, but fear about, about doing that. What is the key to turning that gateway away from fear and into an authenticity or a focus as a leader instead?
1: At this point in my life, I do not know how to get rid of fear. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint. Um Fear, as far as I'm concerned, is the basic mood of the ego. Uh, fear is um, inherent. The you know all our ancestors who survived survived because they were alert to their fear. They responded well and they were able to, you know, uh, avoid whatever danger was in front of them. So we are the descendants of fearful people. <laughs> we we only survived because all our DNA chain is wrapped in. Uh, a fear response so getting rid of fear uh, as far as I can tell for a normal functioning human being is off the table what's on the table is courage right the same ancestors who had fear also had courage to persevere and to push through or they wouldn't exist they wouldn't have made it through whatever scared them right they would have capitulated or they would have been eaten by whatever right so I don't really see fear as the thing that obliterates our ability to be authentic I see courage as our way to be authentic right and um and I don't see that fear goes away I see that courage can be cultivated and we can cultivate courage in small ways you know the courage to speak up in a meeting where we think we're going to seem foolish or our idea is going to be rejected that's that's fear right I'm afraid of what some unwanted painful experience so it takes courage to do that or the courage to launch a new project or the currency, you know, a client of mine I spoke with this morning has grown tired of his role. He's been there six years. He feels like he's been used to the, to to sort of the best of his ability. And now he wants to grow, but he's afraid to leave because he's comfortable. Right. His family is comfortable. The routine is comfortable, but he's unfulfilled. His, his heart is yearning for something different. So it takes some courage. And so, um, I propose that fear is the gatekeeper to power. Fear is the gatekeeper to power. Um, When Jay leaves his job and goes, finds another one, he has to walk through his fear. To do that, he has to activate his courage. What he will find on the other side is a greater sense of energy, vitality, creativity, presence, joy. In other words, the the, sort of the, 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 the symptoms of, power he will feel empowered and so we can't walk away from fear we have to walk through it because fear is the gatekeeper to power
0: i want to thank you for being with us and with, for connecting with us and um and i wish we could go on a, a little bit longer if people want to continue this conversation with you uh, how can people get a hold of you and learn more about your work
1: they are certainly welcome to email me uh my website is sagatica s-a-g-a-t-i-c-a sagatica and my email is eric e-r-i-c at sagatica.com um they can find me on linkedin eric kaufman
0: all right let's wrap up i want to thank eric for being our guest our first guest of 2024 on our podcast and do check the podcast notes for how you can connect with him You know we really still are at the start of the year in many ways and the start of a year is a great time to personally and professionally put together a new strategy so that you can lead with confidence and grow in clarity. If we can help in any way here at Phoenix Life Coaching Canada, if I can help in any way, just contact us through our website phoenixlifecoachingcanada.com or use the link in our podcast notes. And if this content And this podcast is meaningful to you. It would mean the world to me if you could rate it or write a review. It'll give our podcast more exposure. And you can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. And all of those ways are also found in our podcast notes. Next week, I want to discuss another topic, tenacity. And I'm looking forward to sharing it with you. Until we get together again next week, start living in a way today that will help you to thrive tomorrow. And remember, you can make it so.